Welcome to the Knock on Archery podcast, where we bring all archers and bow hunters together from all walks of life with the goal to educate, empower, and inspire you to be better both in the field and on the range. Matt Reed, welcome to the Knock on podcast. Uh, it's glad to be here. That was Iowa. awkward. That was awkward. I just got done burning you though, so I was... I didn't really burn you. I just made fun of your ears being low. Mine are not low anymore because I got my ears checked and I got my hearing aids now. This was the year of uh, of my personal rebuild, actually. I got my nose done, no surgery, so I can breathe. <laughs> Everyone listening, I could never do that my entire life. I waited 45 years for, <laughs> for that. And I got my ears checked, got... Hearing aids, are they hearing enhancements? Hearing aids makes me feel like a real old man. But I had, uh, I thought it was called tinnitus, but it's actually called tinnitus. Didn't realize that. But I have that in my left ear, so I think 35% of my hearing was gone on the left side. Oof. Yeah, I, dude. Did anyone tell you as a kid? Well, you're kind of still a kid. But did anyone tell you, like, when you're in a teenager, did anyone tell you to wear hearing protection when you went duck hunting? Um, no, I think that you, you ended up figuring it out. But every single time <laughs> now I go shoot, shoot at the range or shoot rifles or anything, if I don't put on hearing protection, I won't be able to hear you for three days. It's just constant ringing. I get it so bad. Imagine that for, like, 20 years. That's me. You got to talk close to the mic, too. When you, Otherwise, like, when you come back here, that's what it sounds like. Now you know. Does that sound better? Yeah. You look nervous. Why? I didn't. I didn't think I felt nervous, but I'm gonna make. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like just put the pressure on you, melt you down. Let's get after it then. No, uh, I've got. I wanted to bring Matt here because I did a podcast uh, with Nate, your counterpart, actually at Huntwise. We yeah. had a really good podcast because he was really cool to me because he he was into hunting, then not into hunting. Took a really cool path. And then the path led to HuntWise, which was something I used. But then, like, one conversation with that podcast led to how can Knock On help people with this tool that's going to help new bow hunters be better and better bow hunters to be the best. <laughs> is that a fair statement? Yeah, that's kind of the idea. It's, it, it really does feel like there's a lot of synergies with what you're doing and what you're doing with archery, archery education, and then bow hunting education and whatnot with kind of where we're headed. And um, and that's why it like really makes a lot of sense from like a strategy perspective. It's like we really want to make sure that whether or not you have someone in your life that's able to kind of teach you and steward you in those ways. And if you, uh, and if you don't, like a tool like us and with mentorship from someone like you – really help them and guide them on that path to be able to learn those things if they weren't able to. Like when you go through hunter education, you get a lot of the basics and foundations and stuff to make sure that you can go out and do this safely and you can do this on behalf of the state in a good way. But now it's like we can step in, have the ability to take you to that next level. It's like when you come out of hunter education, you get your feet wet, you maybe get your first turkey gun or you get your first bow. And it's um, you really have like a huge hurdle there to figure out like, well, where do I want to go to figure out where there's turkeys or if there's deer here from elk hunting for the first time. And then uh, when do you want to go do that? It's like the animals are so um, affected by weather and weather behavior and how they kind of interpret it. Like if there's different moon, different temperature effects, if there's a storm on the front or back end of that, 
it's like if you don't know these things and haven't been hunting with your dad or through over the years, it's like this is kind of a lot to take in all yeah. at one stop. So giving us like the opportunity to like really build technology to help them do so, we're, we really want to make sure they actually don't feel like there's like a guard there that they can't get into it and enjoy it more and like help them through that path so they can spend more time learning hunting and then ultimately finding success in it. It's hard for me to think in my head how to navigate this, this podcast because there's like, there's actually several horses that are all running down really cool paths. And I'm like, I'm actually afraid which one to, I don't say not afraid, but I'm like trying to determine which one do I put this cart behind for the listeners out there. And I think one thing that's important, if you're listening to this podcast via no video, uh, this would, this would be a great podcast for you to look at the YouTube channel or on our, on the knock on archery website to, to watch this. This is one of the few podcasts where we actually have a TV up here. Um, and the reason this is up here because I'm actually wanting Matt to show some of these tools and what you just said right there, it immediately ties into there's times of the year where I make a post that says, if you're wondering when you should get in a tree tonight is the night. And that'll be like, just based on my experience of what I'm seeing for activity. And then, you know, we're right on the the front end of a front. The moon phase is freaking perfect coming up 45 minutes before dark. And, and we're in a, we're in a pre rut phase, let's say. And then on top of that, Now there's a tool that not only like shows you this peak movement time of the week, you can go to, you can actually go ahead in your life and say, okay, my vacation is actually, or let's say you need to give a week's notice to your boss. You can look, is it 15 days? Yeah. With elite, you can get 15 days. Elite with elite, which listen, we're talking about elite and, Yes, that is a paid subscription to HuntWise, but I'm just going to tell you right now, if you don't make this decision one time and it's correct, like let's say right now I'm looking at this thing that's telling me, it's telling me peak movement, time of week, and this is for turkeys just because of the time of year we're at right now. It's telling the best time is going to be Wednesday, April 6th, 2 p.m., like that it's telling you that and this is i've i used this last year for deer and it it has somehow read my mind's experience of what a moon phase does to movement and then as well as what the weather's doing to movement so this is showing over this next week like for example tomorrow is saturday it's also showing a bunch of wind snow and it's showing that like if we were hunting turkeys the percentage would be way lower but however if you're like trying to select time for to use your valuable vacation it's telling you what that best time is so for me one day making the right decision is literally pays for this tool yeah it's invaluable it one day pays for the tool and the, this tool combines like history and knowledge, not to mention a bunch of other things together. And this is whether you're brand new to bow hunting and, you know, what was kind of alarming for me when I had Nate on the podcast, 
was he had talked to me about, you know, some of the, the numbers of people that take bow hunter, you know, hunter safety courses, but then the fallout because they don't know the whens and the wheres, you know, or, or the where and the why. Now this, this tool is, it explains, it's not just like, um, it's not just a terrain topo navigation type system or boundary system, because I think one thing that's important for me too, before we get too deep in this podcast is I want everyone out there to know a hundred percent, you know, this is like transparent and true, not this from the heart. I can use any hunting app I want. One, I can go into the app store and do it, but two, they all reach out and say, Hey, you know, we've got a great tool. If you'd like to use it, you know, stroll around on it for a year, you know, let us know what you think. There's a lot of great ones, depending on your application. For me personally, someone who is, you know, I'm centrally located and I hunt everything. I hunt every direction. And there's times of years where I, there's times of year where I feel like I feel like a Western hunter, but yeah, there's also a definite chunk of year where I feel like I'm a Midwestern hunter. And there's times where I feel like I'm a Canadian hunter. You know what I mean? There's times where I'm, I hunt in the Southeast. Um, so this is like more my style because it, anyone who's read previous hunting articles that I've done know that when I do my rut forecast, um, when I do my hunting forecast, even when I've done elk forecasts, what I'm looking for first and foremost is moon phase within the month. And then that moon phase then ties into my personal history of dates and my success within that month. You know, here's my window of the best five days of November, like historically, or in some cases I have a B time and a, and an A time. A time would be like, you know, let's say here in Iowa, I love, I love the 50 to the 11th, but then I also have a B time, which would then fall to like the 16th when you kind of get these cruisers that's in November. But honestly, if I had to choose an A or a B, if I related the last eight days of November or October to the first days, first eight days of November, I personally would probably pick a three day window or four day window of time in October before I would pick the November time. And the reason why is because that November time, even though technically it's the rut, that time right there also flirts dangerously with lockdown which even if they're the big ones are on their feet, they're locked down. So a lot of times for me, those first very first appearances during the pre-rut phase is actually when you have the one you want and he's also kind of making dumber mistakes and he doesn't he's not pinned down to where the doe is making the decisions. He's just roaming around trying to find that lady. So this actually puts together so many things that when someone says, when should I go? It's hard for me because I'm like, okay, well, he's actually 
three states north, so he would be actually ahead of me. So he's not going to be in a pre-rut phase. He's going to be in a lockdown phase. So at that point, yeah, I'm probably not going to tell him to go to a food source. I'm going to be like, thicket, thicket, thicket. Uh, by the way, moon phase, you know, peak travel is actually going to be 12 to 2. As much as you aren't going to want to hunt that time, if you can't sit all day, try, you know, what I refer to as a gentleman's hunt, uh, which is 10 to 3. You know, I did a experiment one time where I only hunted during the middle of the day only for people who aren't don't sit all day. So this thing puts together all these tools. Um, and I think it's, it's actually just almost invaluable to a new hunter to be able to go through and, and navigate it. And I know that I haven't even scratched the surface, which is kind of why I want you to dive deeper into it. But yeah. Sorry to go, sorry to like go so far down, but I kind of wanted to have a disclaimer for the listeners of like, wait a minute, why, why is he on here? Because, you know, honestly, I want people to know this, this ties into like what my DNA is, which is instruction and having a tool. And when Nate was here, I talked about, you know, like having a toolbox well, now I realize it's not just a toolbox. Like, it's actually a freaking mechanic shop. And I've only, you know, opened the toolbox. Like, so. Uh, well, first and foremost, John, we just want to say, like, we're glad to be working with you. I think there's some some pretty sweet stuff that we're going to be able to do it together. And the second thing is, before we kind of dive deeper into this stuff, too, you brought up, like, an interesting point with the rut. People are always talking about the rut, the rut, the rut. And so what we wanted to do with the tool is not only just create features that help the the basic and the uh, coming out of hunter education, that new hunter, we want to make sure that they're totally satisfied and they have the tools they need to answer questions like, when's the rut? Because they might not know all the way yet, or even the phases like lockdown, like you mentioned. We also want to make sure the tools are robust enough for the advanced hunter tool, having complexity and advanced like kind of thinking to it. So they do know that there is something here for them and it is going to bring them to where they need to go. And so like a tool like that satisfies both those requirements is what we kind of released last year in the fall to answer that where the rut question is, which was rut cast, which was a seasonal portion of what we added to the hunt cast kind of tab here on the app. And what that does is it basically basically where you are locally, like if you are in Iowa or you're in central uh, Wisconsin or northern Michigan, it takes in those parameters of the weather, the season patterns throughout the year and um, where you are from your Latin long and can tell you where you are and what phase of the rut you're in. So you can kind of change your hunting and your hunting strategy. You're not going to hunt the pre-rut the same way you're going to hunt the lockdown, same way you're going to hunt the peak rut. You have seasonal adjustments to your strategies to optimize your time. So now the app will tell you what kind of strategy you should implement or what you should use, especially if you're a new hunter during that phase of the rut, when you should go hunting because you shouldn't hunt the entire rut. There's certain days that are you're going to maximize and op- um, optimize your opportunity, and there's certain days that you're going to be out there and you're still blowing stuff up. And it also shows you exactly where. So if you build your property or you look at public and you have your stands and different sets set up, you know which one to go sit. So for a basic hunter that doesn't know all these things, as long as they do their due diligence and start putting stuff into the tool and start learning and start going through hunting, it's going to really narrow those questions down for them so they can come into this app, come into the field and find success and stay in hunting longer and enjoy their experiences rather than always feel like they're hitting that wall. Yeah. I mean, like even in this case right here, you actually got, you know, there's, there's plots that are marked here, you know, whether they're stands or locations or blinds. And it's actually within that, it's telling you some like critical components within just, just that alone, you know, it's showing you on a scale from one to five, like what 
kind of how do I rate today's hunting, you know, then from there, sun up, sundown is obviously critical. Weather's critical, but more importantly, that it immediately is showing you wind direction. And when you're logging in your stands, if you enter that data in like, Hey, this is an, this is an East wind spot. Well, now as a bow hunter, even if you've flagged certain trees or pinned certain trees or certain areas within public, if you know where that area necessarily is, or you can navigate it, navigate to it, um, you can immediately, without having to think in your mind, what direction does that field face, et cetera, et cetera, you can just instantly know, here's today's wind direction, here's going to be my choices, right? Yeah, and the the clever thing too is, is we want like, new novice hunters or advanced hunters to kind of understand why we're rating these days, these things. So we even break up the days. So if you tap on, for example, today where it says view details and you go into this screen here, we break down the entire Huntcast algorithm into this view where it shows you the top stands for your spot, the factors that are affecting what that rating is based on. So you don't even have to take it at face value. It's like, Oh, if I want to learn why this Friday or this Saturday morning sat is the best for Turkey in this case, you can dive into it and see those explanations of why these things are affecting that score. So not only does it tell you and you can just go and decide to make your decisions about, oh, I'm going to take work off or let me decide if I maybe I have family stuff I'm coming up and maybe we should go and focus on something else. It, it tells you why this day is there. So you can kind of learn as you go out your career and then uh, or through hunting and you can be, make those better decisions too on your own and then optimize the tool even better. And all of a sudden the tool becomes even a better counterpart to your hunting strategy. Yeah, this thing it has so much diversity. So, so kind of backtrack a little bit. If, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you hadn't heard my podcast, uh, with Nate, you could probably go back and find that it's not going to be too far back. Um, but walk us through a little bit, kind of the, you know, the DNA of hunt wise and, and kind of what the, what the nucleus was of your why, like all this stuff, what is, what is the why and, and like, who do you feel like is coming into this app for the first time to, to utilize these features? Yeah. So the people that I, we find that we, we built this tool for was for the same reason why we built the tool in the beginning. Like our original founder, Jeff built this to find out the best time to go hunt his, his dad's farm or his neighbor's food plots or whatever he had access to at the time. And he didn't have the time with busy schedule, family on the way to basically decide, oh, like, let me make sure I think about this. He wanted to figure it out and be told to make decisions for time. So he built the original Huntcast algorithm and to answer that question. And then he, he quickly realized that there's a huge demand for this same answer. People have similar schedules or they have maybe multiple sets in different states yeah. and across the country, much like yourself. And it's like. Well, you don't always want to have to sit there for an hour going into your weekend and like, okay, let me look at the wind directions. Let me start thinking about stands. Do I want to switch stand placements? Do I want to make adjustments? You can just kind of see it all in this dashboard and it tells you verbatim what you should do. And then you can maybe even look at deeper into it and maybe make adjustments to that there. So new hunters coming out of hunter education that don't know all these things, like they might not even know totally when they're in the field. It's like, how do I even set winds or what, how do I play the wind properly? Or how do I understand like scent, especially with deer, they can kind of put these things in here and we can teach them through those things so they can make those assumptions later on their own or use the complexity of the tool to answer that for them. And so new hunters, advanced hunters that are juggling a lot of things, you can't, you can't 
manipulate all those things in your head. So having some one spot to do all that really makes it so across the spectrum, no matter where you are at hunting or in bow hunting or wherever, you can kind of be able to make decisions to optimize and find success. It, it feels great to, to find success. So we really want to help people <laughs> get to that point. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's who it's for. Anybody from any part in their career, like we want you to find the time to get out hunting and really enjoy the time you spend there. So walk us through kind of your first time in, because I know my first time in um, was actually really nice to set up. If I remember correctly, there was specific specific questions to kind of build a little bit of a understanding of you. So mm-hmm. it kind of knew, because um, I kind of screwed around on mine the first time and told it that I was really just interested in hogs, <laughs> which in Iowa there are, there's like none, um, to kind of see what it did, but it, it kind of built a little bit of a profile of what your interests are. And, and then from there, it, it seemed pretty easy to navigate. Now it's from what you tell me, there's things on the horizon that I don't think I know about completely in depth can we talk about those at this point yeah there's there's some things we can definitely chat about the um the idea with us being like technology we want to make the best technology for the end hunter that's going to be out spending time in the field so we have the ability we can move a little faster and make those innovations so you can get more value to the tool and help you find success so a couple things that we've been working on even this year is we're totally reinventing how you can compare stands by wind so when you have your, your farm here in Iowa or you have pieces here uh, that you're hunting across the Midwest, you'll have multiple stands and sets at them. We're going to make it uh, drastically easier uh, to compare those different sets so you can make your plans for that weekend that your stands in Iowa, you have the perfect win for them. Let's focus on hunting those on Friday, Saturday. But Sunday, the weather is looking pretty rough at that spot and you have a spot maybe an hour and a half away. Well, it's looking great there wind-wise. You can jump in the truck, head down there, and hunt those stands. So no matter where you are in your weekend, you can look at the weather and the wind and make the right assumption to, to be in the right spot so you're not blowing up other stands, you're not uh, mishunting, and you're really optimizing yourself to find that opportunity to get bucks in the field or turkeys that are walking across in the tree line to, to really capitalize on those. How did you get into all this? What's your background for, for hunting and... Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah it's a it's a wild question so i uh i never got to like uh go hunting growing up my uh we're like an automotive family from michigan so it was never like something that we had time for dad worked six days a week sunday we really just wanted to be able to relax and whatnot but uh i was actually really into bass fishing because from michigan i we live near lakes and stuff so that's all we did was go bass fishing and bass fishing um, and I still have this affinity for the outdoors and spending time out there, whether it's going biking, hiking, fishing. Um, and uh, I always liked hunting. I had friends that gone hunting, but it was like not something that, Hey, I'm invite me hunting with none of the equipment or none of the know-how. Right. And so when I was in, when university, I, uh, I have like a photo video background and uh, I saw this cool company in, in town in Grand Rapids since we're Michigan built company and they were, they're built doing something really cool. And it's like, honestly, this sounds amazing. I'm going to shoot my shot and see if I can just figure out a way to get in and do something in the outdoors. Hunting seems amazing. Super cool. Um, let's see if we can get into it. And oddly enough, I found my spot in there creating a lot of the photo video content for HuntWise as we were scaling, um, in the, uh, like 20, uh, 2019, I think is when I joined and, um, just started building like this huge affinity for the outdoors and spent a lot of time out in the woods and in the stand. I think I have like 
70 hunts in the first three years that I just went on stuff, filming, capturing imagery, going on spring bear hunts. I hunted Alaska last year with Joe um, doing a caribou hunt. Um, I got to go spring bear hunting. I've gone and done some elk scouting. I've hunted a ton of whitetail, ducks, geese, whatever have you. And every single time I went, I just learned more and more about why people wanted to go do these, first of all, and also how fun it was. I have a riot on all of these trips and going to do it and then getting to go hunting for myself. Um, hunting whitetail has been amazing and gotten pretty crafty with some of the food <laughs> recipes, which has been really fun. And uh, I've really found like home here and really settled down and said that this is where I want to spend my time and I really enjoy working here. And I, I want to continue doing so. And so being able to build solutions for people that are going to be maybe like me mm -hmm. or people that have family or mentors as they go through hunter education and are taking their first steps and helping support them, or even people that are like like Nate that are coming back to it and they, they hunted maybe when they were a kid but lost it and kind of get disconnected from it and then are coming back. I want to make sure all those people feel the same way I do and feel at home here and feel supported and have the tools necessary so that they can go find the same success that I've been able to. What was really cool uh, about Nate was just his background. And, and I found it really awesome that there was like an outside perspective coming into this app. And I feel like you're maybe a layer above that because you had a little bit more experience in the outdoors, like throughout versus just, you know, getting, getting the start of it. But it's for me, I feel like there's such an importance when I work when I kind of get grounded and, and I say that um, it's probably not the right word. I don't have the best of vocabularies, but one thing that is difficult for me as a teacher is I get pulled a lot to higher experience levels, you know, and I get pulled a lot there. And a lot of times when I, you know, I try to give information that maybe is a little bit deeper, more in depth, more in depth, more in depth. And then at times I pull way back and I try to say like, okay, how do I, how do I go more to like the beginning, like the creation, you know, I, I, how do I go even further back than what I feel like is a beginner? You know, what I feel like is, Hey, you're starting archery because, and when I work with brand new archers, there's, there's just these nuances that to me I take for granted and I forget about the importance of it and, and how, and, and really how important it is to the entire process. Like, um, like for example, um, giving someone a bow and giving them their first lesson, but I actually did, didn't like tell them where to knock the arrow. Like, Hey, it has to go between these two knocking points. Um, you know, you don't just clip it anywhere on the string. Like sometimes I get steps ahead of myself because I, I can't go back. And so it's cool for me to have people within our realm that is that are so new that they ask these questions like, you know what, if if that was an obvious answer that everyone knew, you wouldn't ask it. So that's something I need to do a better job explaining or diving deeper into. And I think with like you and Nate, I feel like with this, it's and I don't know the other members of your team. But I feel like it's really cool that you guys are really looking at that, the basics, because they are the basics to what make you, makes you successful as a hunter. Listen, these things, you know, what the weather is going to be, what the wind, 
what the wind direction is, what the moon phase is doing, and what peak times of animal movement are going to be. And, and I am a huge believer in moon. Like, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Um, and actually, it was based off bass fishing studies. If I go back to some of my very first um, whitetail rut prediction uh, articles that I did for Peterson's bow hunting, they were actually based off research papers that I had read about bass fishing and when the best bite is during the day. And they actually started to relate the bite, you know, to the major and the minor phases of the moon. Um, and actually the major doesn't mean the major time of movement. That's just a moon phase terminology, but the major and the minor were two key times to when bass fishermen had the best bite. So it started to relate. And then I started to pay attention to it and I started to realize, Oh, yep. You know what? I haven't seen a mature deer on its feet, you know, two hours before dark for, 24 days you know now why is it now oh you know what the moon's coming up three hours before dark right now yeah you know that's the phase it's in so it's it's helpful that you know for the listeners out there like wait a minute i'm listening to this guy and he hasn't killed 20 boone and crockett elk nope he hasn't but He's actually looking at things from a logical point of view that relates to success. And you're and you guys are putting it in a tool to where it's very, very vast and diverse. Yeah, it, it really helps to have like a healthy like mix of people with different viewpoints and different experiences in hunting help build the team or build the tool. We have an amazing team. We have we have some real killers on our team. And then we have some people that have just been newly started into hunting, but have really developed an affinity for it. And having that healthy mix of both too allows us to like really craft like amazing solutions. We have some people that have spent like last like 10, 20 years elk hunting. We have some people that got into elk hunting recently. We have a lot of whitetail hunters. We have people that really love waterfowl hunting and want to build awesome waterfowl tools. And we have people that are just starting their first virage and maybe went hunting for the first time last year. And bringing them all in the same kind of room with different viewpoints and levels of experience, you can really build amazing tools that an advanced hunter might not totally think that is necessary because they don't need it yet or they think they've surpassed it. But that new hunter really needs that, that question answered. And so by being able to create a tool that has solutions for everybody on the entire spectrum built by hunters, um, but also built by people that know the technology is, is really beneficial. So when you're out in the field, you can use the tool to make those same decisions and learn that same information. Because I think everybody wants to learn at some way, shape or form. They always want to grow and develop and different viewpoints and, um, and different perspectives and technology are really set up to do so. So that's the, the beautiful part about it. Where did you get your tech background? Um, I have a business degree, but you said you're video photo. I think that was just, I couldn't get a job when I was younger <laughs> and we just figured it out that there was opportunity like every there. Photographer. Yeah. So we, we, I started taking pictures and then it, one thing led to another and that's how I did it. I, I really like, um, yeah, but you're craftier than a business degree. Uh, I mean, well, I, I appreciate feel, that. I, no, but I feel like your head's going to get really big on my shoulders. Now. I feel like you're very techie. Like, I feel like, you know, if you told me like I, I got, you know, I studied in, you know, in digital platforms and coding, I would, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Well, maybe I'll bluff that on my next job interview. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not have any of that? No, I have zero. 
Gee, so everything that you've learned, which, you know, before we podcast, he actually showed me some stuff where I was just like, okay, I'm an idiot. Um, I, I mean, you freaking know your tool well then. Yeah, we have really, well, Jeff who built the company and then our engineering team and all that, they're really smart and that that's their specialty and they've been able to build stuff and communicate it to us. So we were able yeah. to communicate it to other people uh, really well. And so um, I could take no credit for actual the, 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 the coding or the development of the tool set. There's brilliant people on our team that have been able to do that, that are incredibly passionate about hunting. And so it's, it's, you have to have that, that, that person to be able to communicate that to the us so that I can explain it. And they've done a really good job at that, but there's more to the app too, than just wind and weather and that kind of thing as well. Like we have like advanced mapping to answer that where to hunt question as well. Cause but now that you know where the weather is, you're going to want to know when to go or where to go do that at. Yeah. So we have like, we have maps that's able to basically take it so you can build these hunt areas. And this is a pretty simplistic one just to, to show the argument here. But you can mark up your pins and you well, let's can, just do that quick. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you're listening, um, I'll try to navigate you verbally through what's going on. So let's just say you just got your uh, HuntWise app downloaded. So shuffle over here. You already marked that spot. Let's find me a spot. Dang, dude, how much hunting <laughs> spots you got? I'm quite, I quite like finding spots, man. That's the beauty dude, of the tool. Dude, you do. Okay, zoom in over here. This is going to be my new lease, I guess. <laughs> I got this place right up here. Yeah, right there. So let's, okay. We're we're literally just picking some person's random <laughs> random property that we're going to now make our own. So this is where you would start. You basically would look around the app using different map layers or different attributes to say, like, this is a spot I want to be able to hunt. And, and HuntWise is the beauty of it. It's You might not have spots to hunt. You might not have public land near you, or you might not have private land you have access on. And HuntWise has layers and contact information that you can use the tool to find opportunities like this. So you might not know this person right now, John, but I don't know, you're quite the social person. Maybe you can go doors and knock and get access onto it. Well, honestly, there's a tool that shows you whose property it is. And in some cases, depending, yeah, so, so let's just back up. Right now we're on a piece of property. He actually just, he just scrolled and clicked a spot. Go ahead and scroll over. So you're going to hit. Oh, okay. like for the contact yep. information? So he hit the little, like, it looks like, um, I don't know, like a Qbert square. It says new on there. Clicked on that. And once he did that, go back up there and click on that one more time. When he goes in there now, it actually shows you layers. And the nationwide layers is broke up into land ownership. Um, and that's, that's like land ownership. There's different categories and you can click on which one of these it is. So some of the categories is landowners, bounties and contact information, which to me is a little bit scary. Um, then there's also uh, public land ownership. Then you have um, land ownership by like the U S and then when you click on that, that one, you're moving quick. Then in there, you can click on BLM, State Forest, National Parks, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, Bureau of Recommendation, um, American Indian Areas, Department of Defense, <laughs> State. Like, you can click which one that you want. So if you're just looking for uh, Fish and Wildlife or BLM area, you can just select those, and it, it's going to show you those. So for right now, we just picked private and scroll down a little more. I might as well finish through this part that one of the things that was really cool too is, um, let's see, uh, well, right away in easements is going to be critical because there's ongoing, I mean, 
you know, border corner crossings, like a big thing. Right. And in some areas you can't do it. So like that stuff's really cool. But there's also one somewhere I found like burns when I was like scrolling through. So you can go through down. So then there's like, um, you can go into the wildfires and timber cuts. So if you're out West, you could actually go in and there's, there's wildfires and timber cut areas to where you can select certain timeframes where this data has been collected to where you might need to know, oh, hey, this area burned in 2011, but right now that's going to be freaking primo habitat. Yeah, let me zoom out and show you what that kind of looks like on the map. So now that you toggle on all these layers and you start scrolling out to the west, you'll start seeing all these pieces. Like, let's go to maybe like Colorado or something. You'll start to see all these pieces pop up where you do have those like those public land layers. So this is U.S. Forest Service. We have BLM. And then if you scroll in, you see all these dates. These are those timber cuts, and it Gosh, tells you dang. the dates that it's removed. So the it's dates like, of the timber cuts, so you know when your new growth is, you know, which is which is awesome. Let's find some of that red area here. So if we go down here, this oh, that's Department of Defense. <laughs> <laughs> There's an alien in that. So this part here, next to the, this area here, this is a burn. So if you tap on this, the Black Forest, um, this red area with the dates around 2013, it, 2013, yeah, the Black Forest burn. burn. So that'd be. That'd be pretty dynamite right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Black Forest. So it really allows you to paint this picture of like, okay, like, I can damn you, Dudley. I can pull this nice satellite imagery in to see kind of what the area looks like. I can start layering these like public land opportunities for Western hunters, and then I can start adding like cell phone service to know where I have cell phone service and where I don't to make calls for emergency circumstances or those different layers for wildfires and timber cuts. And then it all starts to kind of layer on top of each other and paint you this picture. And it really, we just want to make sure that when you're scouting like Western units or when you're even looking in the Midwest for different public land opportunities for whitetail, um, we want to make it so you feel like you can find those easily, navigate through them and have a more information going into it to help you find that success you're looking for. Okay. I'm actually just going to like have you navigate the, the f- there, it's pretty simple. There's four white squares in the top right corner. So the top one's going to be GPS. So obviously that one's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, then the next one would be the layer system, which we covered already. Um, then within map layers, you've got favorites and active um, once you click in there, which you don't have anything in there currently. So the favorites are nice because if you're always using like landowner boundaries or public land, you have a couple that you use the most. You, you don't can, have to scroll all the no, way through or fires or burns or whatnot. We, we have a lot of layers. We have like our nationwide layers that we just kind of looked at. And then we also have specific layers for each state. That's right. Yeah, so these are pretty... For like Alaska, you can use like controlled use layers, for example. So you can see like that five mile corridor for over the counter hunting for like the Dalton Highway, for example. And you just click the star within mm-hmm. that category. And once you click the star, then it's in, within your favorites. Correct. Go back to the layers quick. There's a there's one in here that's really cool. Cell phone coverage is actually pretty neat. Um, that's so important because like I have two, I actually have two providers on my phone. I. And honestly, I've, um, I've experienced one, my uncle had a near death experience by, um, having a limb hit him in the, in the chest on his last pass of a food plot. And it actually threw him under like a 16 foot disc. And it was, you know, we almost lost him. It was a bad, bad deal. Oh my goodness. Um, so for me and I've fallen out of a tree stand and had injury and then Sharon, same thing, which is why I like stress this. So one of the things to me, uh, 
that's critical is connection from a safety aspect. So this is really interesting because if you're a if you're an eastern hunter going out west for the first time, and I actually can see where I hunt in eastern Montana, Verizon does not have coverage in a lot of the areas. And there there's actually two places that I hunt every year um, that do I do not have cell coverage with my Verizon. So I have an AT&T SIM that when I know I'm going somewhere where I am not going to have coverage, I actually will either do, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm only wanting connection for safety, I can do a pre pre buy plan on that other provider and just make sure I know that that's going on. Um, South Texas, very South Texas is another place where I hunt every year and I have to have AT&T there. Um, so I think this is really critical for someone to be able to know how to stay connected or not go to a wilderness area where they have no connection. Like that's a really cool tool. It's, it's also interesting too, because if you are going to go hunt like something in like the Bob Marshall or whatnot, where mm-hmm. there might not be cell phone service, it allows you when you're back East or if you live in a different state to like think ahead about how you're going to solve that problem. Maybe you need to get like a satellite phone or we yep. need to make sure we have an inReach hooked up or have those extra layer of safety. So not to just discourage you from going places that don't have cell phone service, but, but to, to plan pre- prepare. and prepare to take the, yeah. the right precautions. Yeah, this would be right up Barclow's alley. I'll guarantee it. Yeah, I'll guarantee Barclow would be like, this is totally knowledge of storms. Just even if nothing else, it's safety protocol. So even knowing that, can you download that area ahead of time then too, once you know you go there to where you're not trying to rely on service as you're, as you're like rooting around in there? Definitely, definitely. So what we kind of do is if we were going to start going and looking at building that property out and in and Michigan, for example, um, when you go through this creation process of building out your spot, and you can do this uh, with an entire unit out west, for example, or you can do this with your 40-acre piece or mm-hmm. do this with your farm you can take that piece and you create something called a hunt area or an offline area. So you click that spot and you can select the parcels or units that you want. And so I'm going to pretend I'm this person today to, to build a property. But once you do that, you save it and I'm going to call it a uh, new spot. And it creates this area for you and allows you to download it offline before you even start marking it up and, and preparing for it. So you know that okay, my property's downloaded. My pins are going to be saved offline. I'm going to be somewhere out west or at my cabin where there's not service. I can see my imagery. I can see my satellite. I can navigate without having cell service. And you can still make waypoints, add things to your map, do everything you normally do with the comfort in mind that you're not going to have to worry about navigating into some black hole or not having cell phone service because everything's already there on your phone for you. One of the things I want to say, too, to the listeners is... I'm really committed to this because there's 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 things within this that I think not only are going to help people be better, but you're going to be safer too. But I, but trust me when I say I'm with you in the fact that like I'm not a tech person. Now like Andy Stumpf, if I'm with Andy, he's got you know the latest sat phone. He's got the latest you know pocket coffee grinder thing and he'll have this app and he'll like know every freaking way to net like he's a tech nerd andy you heard me and uh which i'm actually not i'm like okay how do we make this for dumb people um so one of the things that i want to do and and i'm gonna like 
I'm going to call you out right now for this is at one point, what I want to do, at least for our listeners is, you know, once we kind of give, you know, once people get this, I actually want to do something like in our newsletter to where, you know, maybe we can put this podcast and, you know, and maybe even Nate's too, put it, put it into one of our newsletters to where it's like, okay, for those of you who use this tool, um, here's a way to do it. But if you haven't heard of it, here's what it is. But then on top of that, I want to try to figure out a way to put some type of a questionnaire within that thing to where if any of you listening are like, okay, I trust Dudley, I want to do this thing and you get it. And then you start to realize, well, wait a minute, how the heck do I mark my boundary again? What I would like to ask you to commit to is if we put questions out there to the followers that we actually do record a video to where our video is just a tutorial video on based on Q and a feedback from the, from the listeners of saying like, okay, you told us it would be easy to like, you know, find where the fires were, but how did you do that again? Like I want to be able to do a follow up to where we can ask our followers what those questions are about the app and then you can address that um, and we can, you know, resend that video out. And honestly, there's a pretty good chance, just like anything with life, that someone may ask for something that you guys hadn't thought of yet to where maybe that could be an added feature coming down the road if someone's like, hey, this is a good idea. And you'd be like, actually, that's a freaking awesome idea. And we're going to implement that. Yeah, definitely. I think with, with anything we want to make, first, we want to make the tool as easy to use and understand for everyone too, because the tool is only as good as your understanding. I'm not going to be able to go build a house tomorrow because I don't know how to use my drill. So we want to make it so when you're going out in the field and you want to use it, you can trust the tool, you know how to navigate and use it. And any type of layer of education we can provide to people so they can understand the tool to make it so they stay in and go hunting more often and do it properly and find more success doing it. I think we're, we're really all about that. So we strive to make the tool easy so we don't need to do that as much. But when we do need to have that happen, we want to make sure people feel confident and have the information they need to be able to go do it again. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's pick back up on search, I think is where we were, right? Yeah, the one thing I would love to show you, John, yeah, show in, the, uh, in the map layers tab is we have these nationwide layers too, but where the app gets really special is not only can you change your satellite imagery to any of these various different base layers, so topographic maps, different contour maps, high res. Some satellite maps will have different imagery seasonally or throughout the years of your, your farm, for example. There might be one from last fall. There might be one from uh, the winter or spring, so you can kind of play through your, your farm throughout the year. But where it also gets really special is you can actually, we have all these state-specific layers. So if you're going to hunt Iowa or if you're going to hunt Michigan, Nebraska, Kansas, northern Wisconsin, you can kind of navigate to those states and get different layers and offerings for those states. Colorado elk scouting. That are what? super catered and powerful to that specific state. So can you remove that one? I wanted that one for myself. <laughs> yeah. So the, the elk scouting Damn. layer, for example, if you went to Colorado and you're like, I'm going to hunt Colorado it layers out all these different attributes for elk scouting. So these are trails and migration corridors. We can turn on their overall range, what? their winter range, their severe winter range, where they're producing, uh, resident populations. So you can start toggling on all these different things. And then all of a sudden you have a really comprehensive idea of where public land and all those things are going to sit with elk behavior and scouting to make it so when you are going to go try that that difficult <laughs> OTC. Look at all uh, those layers and colors. 
Looks like my dad's old Zuba's pants. He used to wear. <laughs> and so that's where it gets nice, where you only can toggle on what you need to paint the picture you're yeah. looking for to answer your question. So, so once you toggle on those and then you click it as a favorite, it'll remember your sub, your sub clicks too. Correct. Yeah. Like so, say you've only ever selected, you know, well, right there, summer range concentration areas. And then you select it there. Whenever you go to your favorites, that's what it's going to have. That's cool. Yeah. That's legit. And then also you can see what's online and active. So I have all these layers active and you can go right to the active pane and say, ah, I don't really want these on anymore and just quickly turn them off. So if I'm done with elk scouting, quickly turn it off, says I'm all good. And then I can go back and pick whatever else I need as well. So it's, it's robust as you, um, it's interesting because you can come and ask questions when you're scouting. It's like, okay, where are the elk at? Where are they going to be during this time of year? What public land opportunities do I have? Is there a ranch or easement that I can maybe use or get onto to get into these spots? Do I have family members? Or here's the rancher's name. Hey, if I could access it from here, that'd be awesome. You know, find out who that is. Yep. So you could turn on. Be at his favorite diner in the morning. Turn on the the landowner boundaries. Oh, hey. That looks like like that's just straight up a mountain, but. You could zoom in and find residential areas and you can get their property boundaries and give people calls. So in the Midwest, this gets particularly interesting if you're a young hunter and maybe you uh, you shot a buck on your property line and he jumped the line and you want to see about how you can retrieve it. You can give these people a call and say, hey, like, sorry, buck ran the line. I really would like to get it back, get up property, but I don't want to trespass. Just wanted to let you know and see what we can do here. So we can maybe solve some of those pain points that come with different yeah. private land and whatnot. But that's the uh, that's the power of map layers. But as you were saying, with search, okay, get, give, yeah, get, let's search it up. You can um, you can look up different addresses. So if you're looking at different farms or if you have different spots you want to hunt, you can quickly type in an address and navigate right to that and start building on a property rather than try to like find it. Yep. Or you can look up a landowner's name. So if you know that, uh, type in um, type in Cattail Road, Wisconsin. My old, my old zone. For those of you watching, I'm going to show you guys my first cattail Cat road. road, Delavan, it, Wisconsin. No, it's in. Um, I think it'd be Cataract or Sparta. Might have been Sparta. Cattail Road, Sparta. Yep. Let's see. Oh yeah, there's. <laughs> that's the that 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 was me right there. That's where I used to live, right there. Yep. That was my place. That's my first house I ever built right there. But uh, here, go down to that road. Let's go south to that road and then follow that road to the left. Yeah, keep going down that way. I'm taking, I'm showing people, like, I'm, I want to show these guys where I started. And, okay, right there. Stop right there. Go. Okay, see that right there? It's I'm just going to say it's um, M. Cox. <laughs> That's that person. So see that little place right there? That Well, they've built a road in there. But, like, when people – this is what's cool is um, – and one of the educational pieces, we've actually um, – you guys have given me the ability, ability to actually do an educational – some educational segments that we're going to include in the HuntWise app. Is it fair to say that now? Yeah, I think that's definitely on I the mean, roadmap. Yeah, I don't, it's like, I don't know if that's going to be available real quick, but all I can tell you is instead of me only making like my hunting education, like part of our YouTube channel and stuff like that, 
I actually feel like this tool will, will allow me to like backtrack and talk about more basics and make this part of the app to where people can have some of this. And one of the messages that I really want to get out there and a message that I don't think I've ever said on the podcast or maybe even said publicly, but I think this is really critical is that, um, and it would be cool for me to use this app to actually navigate people um, through this down the road. But what I have right now as as an adult is not what I had when I started. So I think it would be really cool to set to be able to show people, you know, the the first place that I could ever that one of the first places I I hunted was this public piece of land right here underneath that piece. That used to be a public, and I, that used to be a public piece right there. I don't, I mean, I don't know if you can click to see if it still is. Yeah, state of Wisconsin conservation. Okay, so that that little piece right there was like one of my little honey holes. Now there's a lot of, there there was building around it before, but that was one of my honey holes. And so the first piece of property that I was able to buy, um, well, I knocked on a lot of doors. I hunted this this public piece, but then I knocked on doors down this road, and I and I got a I got permission on a place, but I hunted this public piece and I hunted another public piece, and then, you know, and I was super content with that, and that that was all I could afford, and it was all I could do. Five days vacation, limited budget, etc. But then, you know, I started competing you know, was fortunate to like win a tournament and, you know, won a check. So with that check, and I know things are different now, so this may sound weird with that check, that landlocked piece of property right there, which we'll just refer to as, you know, M Cox who owns it now. That was a, that was just under three acres. Click on it and see what it was. Can it, will it tell you how big that is? 2.9 acres. Boom. Okay, so everyone knows I'm not lying. This was the first piece of hunting property I bought, and I killed a Pope and Young deer on that. Um, so it was landlocked. I had to, I had to like use a hand mower and mow this little easement, which is now actually a driveway getting back into there. But for me, even though I had 2.9 acres and it was you know, you can use your marking tool and figure out how far it was from the public piece. There were people hunting in that public piece. How far is that? 250 yards. Yeah. So to me, I had my own hunting place. This was like my spot and I could put two stands on there and I, I hunted one down in the bottom left corner whenever I'd have a north wind. It's like right about here. Yeah. It was actually like kind of right when I entered in. I didn't want to blow my place out, dude. <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to bum rush my place. So as soon the quicker I could get into my place, that's so right there, and then I could mark it. You know, if I had a straight north wind, northeast wind, it was like all blowing towards exactly. There you go. So then I then I put it. I had another stand to where I'd have to come in definitely in the dark, walk my line down come up off to that, this road here. Yeah. Take my little path in and go up to the Northeast corner, which then would allow me to hunt with the different wind. So I had two winds that I would hunt this place, 2.9 acres. 
you know, so now I can hunt with west winds, southwest, west, exactly. My place is still good. There wasn't, you know, whatever's there now in the middle uh, wasn't there at the time. So when people are like, oh, yeah, it must be nice, uh, you know, with having private land, uh, yeah, 100%. It was nice. Um, but the first piece of private land I had was 2.9 acres that I bought. Um, that was 250 yards from public land. People would park and go into that public land. But for me, I felt like I've, you know, I'm on my own land. And that, that was, uh, that was my first piece. And I, I had that piece of property for several years. And then I sold that piece of property, which was 2.9 acres. And I moved back to over to Cattail Road, uh, which was, I think, 10, 10. You can go look at it. I think it was like 10.9. But did you, uh, you said you got a lot of deer off this property? It was close to your honey hole. Killed one. Yeah. Killed one. Well, I mean, honey hole means it was like the only, it was a place that I personally hunted that no one that worked at Matthews went to at the time. <laughs> so that's why it was my honey hole. Yeah, you got to keep going right there. It is down a little bit to the right. Straight right of that. Whoa, you went too far. It's that little square. Oh, right here? Down a little bit right there. Yeah, that was that was my. So then I bought that place. Was that for size? Looks like it's 10 acres right on the money. Boom. Okay, 10.06. So that place there, um, yeah, I went, I lived there for four years and went four for four on three and a half or older deer on that place, which that place right there, that bottom corner was my first food plot that I planted. Here in the bottom left. Yep. Yep. There it is right there. I literally broke that ground with like a three disc thing and a open seat tractor. Um, broke that and killed my first Pope and young off off that property. So is it something like this? Just on that corner there? It was you... I think it was about one point five acres of what my food plot was at the time. So you did you did the whole piece yeah, here? This is actually pretty cool to look to look at this. Kind of like that? Yeah, but it went to the corner. Yep. Well that building wasn't there, whatever that thing oh, is. Gotcha. It went straight over to that sand. Yep. There it is. Two point five acres. My first food plot right there. And so this is actually pretty cool because this will tie in. We'll do some educational videos, but what's cool about this is um, I believe in three things to be successful as a deer. What it takes to hold a mature deer, I think there's three things, food, cover, and water. That, that's what they have to have. So this was 2.5 acres that I broke. It was very close to my house. Um, during deer season, I did not allow anyone on the open side of the house. So if Harry played, he could play on the north side of the house where <laughs> no one in the food plot could see him. Is that where Yeah. Yeah. Right up there. They could play there. And then if you go, go to the east of the house up on the top of that hill, see right there in that open patch. Yep. So that open patch is timber that I cut down and up there, right where that sand is, um, right there I dug a hole and put a water tank in the ground that I had like 15 water hoses that I would drag up there and I'd fill that with water because it's very sandy. 
So I had water so that I had water and I killed, um, I killed a, a deer there, which I, his name was a uh, big boy. And that was the biggest deer I'd shot on that place. And I killed, actually, it's not the biggest deer I shot on the place, second biggest deer, but I shot a deer on that water. Um, so you put the water here? Yep. Yep. So I would just walk straight up the hill from my house and had water there. Um, and yeah, killed a, killed a deer there. But you know, the fact that going from public land to all of a sudden I saw a for sale sign for this dinky piece of land that honestly no one really wanted. It was landlocked that three acres landlocked. There's just a little dirt path going back there. Um, you know, stayed on that, hunted that, made the most of that, which that el- this app would show you how, like, just with those wind directions, right, being able to show you, like, so I had a stand where that water was, and then in the food plot, I had to stand at the bottom edge of the food plot right in the middle. There's a food plot. I killed a deer there on, um, I killed a, a deer there with the first Easton Tracer knock, on Sharon's birthday. And actually I, I had patterned that deer walking the edge of that. Um, is that about the wind you said you would have? Yeah. Stand? Yeah. And that's the exact wind. And this deer w- was going from big timber out to all this ag over here. And so I had seen him for like a week cutting that corner, cutting that corner. So no one was allowed to like during prime time, no one was allowed to like all the window, all the blinds would be closed. No one would be very loud. No one could be outside. And it was actually uh, Sharon's birthday, September 16th season opened the 15th and um, the 15th. I had the wrong wind. My wind, it was from the wind was from the South. So my wind would have been blowing into the field. So I couldn't hunt. But then the next night it was North. It was Sharon's birthday and Sharon's like, well, it's my birthday. And I said, can I just hunt an hour? So I was sitting in that stand and Sharon was like in our kitchen, which was like 150 yards away. She was actually like talking to me on the phone, but I could see her and our neighbors to the North up here. They were calling her like, Sharon, we want to like have a party, you know, come down. We want to have like, let's all have dinner for your birthday. And we bought you a cake. So Sharon was telling me, this is ridiculous. The neighbors want me to come for my own birthday and you're not letting me leave the house. And I said, all right, you can leave. Just go out the back of the garage, follow the timber line straight away and make sure the house is between you and me. And then when you make it past that first cornfield, you can get on the gravel road and go. (laughs) So her and Harry low crawled. This is no joke. They low crawled um, out the back of the house, straight north. Yep, there you go, right there. Then they then they dog leg left. This is hilarious. So he's dropping pins to like, and then they went up to this house up here. They went up the road. <laughs> so they had there. There's their path. A total of 136 yards. Oh, the 136 yards is just oh, that's that, that straight away. Yeah, what's the, yeah so. That was, uh, what's the total? 400. 400 yards. They they did the shuffle, and they were I, they made it there, and I'm like, all right, all clear. He didn't wreck nothing. And then, like, 10 minutes later, that buck came out and went to go across that field, and I shot him. And then... Uh, so he was, like, moving like this towards the ag? He's going straight across, cutting across that road, and then going out. Gotcha. And I shot him, shot him just... 
you know, to the right of where that stands placed, which is, uh, which is pretty freaking awesome. Um, so to get back to the story, that was my 10 acres. You know, I made the most of giving the deer three things that they wanted and, and, you know, kill a deer on water, kill a deer leaving cover, going to food in a transition spot, and then killed another deer that was actually on the clover uh, during the open week. And so after having this place, um, ended up actually upgrading from that to a 40-acre piece and did the same thing and then wanted to go from a 40-acre piece to an 80-acre piece. So for those of you listening, like, you have to realize there's stepping stones as a hunter. So, you know, was am, am I a private land hunter now? For the most part, sure. Um, my biggest mule deer ever in my life came from public, came from crown land, you know, 100%. Even getting to hunt great mule deer spots, biggest one from there. Biggest elk I've ever shot, also from public land. Um, however, I have continually taken forward steps to building opportunities to get on bigger land and some of the biggest pieces of land that I hunt I could never afford to own and I got it by permission and doing a lot of manual labor you know that's so you know the one thing that um This is so cool because it shows both. And I think just in what you did right now, for those of you watching this video, you kind of saw him navigate these tools of if you're a public or a private landowner, how awesome these tools and how easy they are for you to lay out your place and mark stands. I mean, you literally did what was cool is if people were watching the things that we probably could have just spent 45 minutes talking about you did as I was talking. Um, but I feel like it's so important for everybody out there. I don't, I don't like the divide of like public land hunter, private land hunter. I hunt everything. Yeah. Hunting opportunity is a luxury. You gotta, honestly, I want to make a t-shirt that says public land hunting on the front and private land hunter on the back because, you know, I freaking go both ways, dude. You know, I, I like to hunt public. I also love to hunt private and listen, there's, there's like differences too. There's, there's a very rewarding feeling of hunting public land and getting very lucky, especially on a trophy, you know, quote unquote, a trophy feels good. But there's also as a private landowner, you also get to the point where you've kind of moved past being happy with getting a shot. And now you're selecting a shot, which I think is like, that's part of progressing as a hunter. Because like even, even um, a, a great example is I always go to Alberta for their opener. I shouldn't say always because of COVID. But um, when I go hunt crown land, in Canada, I shoot a legal bull. If it has three points on one side or better, like I'm not going to say, oh, he's only got a club on the right side. A hundred percent. When I go up there, I've got 
five days to hunt. I'm on crown land. I haven't haven't had time to scout. They're not really talking yet. You might hear them. And then it's like ambush techniques and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm like a hundred percent like a meat hunter and you know, I'm like there to like be a hunter, but likewise that bull on a private land situation would, I would, that ball bull would walk by me a bunch of times, but it's not like I've changed as a hunter. What I've done is I've, you know, I'm in, I'm, I'm in like different elements, which I think is cool as a hunter, you should continue to, to like progress. And the other thing too, is like, even though I shot a deer and I was happy with that deer on three acres, I also wanted to like continue to get more permission because there's times where that, there's times when certain properties do not produce or God forbid EHD totally just comes in and says, all right, I'm going to freaking swipe this table clean. Well, now you have no option. Now what are you doing? You're hunting nothing. You know, you're hunting nothing. Um, well, like I think for, there's two big parts that why we try to interject and like help with that thing. Whether you're not, you're trying to find public land opportunities to help you with that stepping stone progression so you can think about buying land someday. You don't have it at the beginning. Yep. So helping you find public land opportunities using layers and different opportunities is important. But also where uh, HuntWise can really step in and help you is learning how to, the technique and how to get access on private land opportunities. You may not have public land next to you in the Midwest. It's, uh, far, it's more far and few between than it is in the West. Yeah. So going to landowners and finding spots and being able to tap on them and search their phone records or know their address and go door knocking and put your best foot forward and, and ask them like, Hey, maybe if I help on your farm this summer, can I maybe start to learn and hunt your property? Like, can I hunt turkeys on it? And then start building that relationship with them in the fall. This is like, tries to help you solve that problem so that you can spend more time outdoors. You do have more options. You can go hunting more often and you can help to, to build towards that, that success. I think that it's important to have multiple opportunities, whether public or private or several of both in your pocket. Yeah, this is, this is so cool because, um, honestly, back, back when I did all this, it was based off a plat book, you know, you'd go and buy a plat book and those things are only good. uh, You know, what was it? Every five years or something, they became current. So like you would, you know, you'd go and knock on a door and, oh, I bought that from him. They're not here anymore. And then you're automatically on a negative. You're like, hey, is Alan here? They're like, no, I'm Dale. I own this place. You're like, oh, crap. You know, uh, so yeah, being able to have the name right, you know, when you go up and knock on a door, I think is critical. Um, But the the other thing, though, with the plat book is, if you if you're driving around like let's say you're a waterfowl hunter cuz you know I actually hunted a lot of waterfowl it's not something that I talk about but I I've I hunt less now that knock-ons come because I don't have time but I actually I love bass fishing um and I I loved waterfowl hunting you know that's, those are two things that I actually miss like if I retire they're two things that'll come back on my personal time but a lot of times as a waterfowl hunter you're driving around trying to find, and this would be the case right now in Iowa, you're trying to find where some snow geese are landing right now. That's, you know, you know, if it was spring or summer, right? If it's fall, you're trying to find, you know, are there, are there fresh cut cornfields that mallards are landing in? And if so, you might be driving 20 minutes to find, you know, just cruising around with your buddies or you're cruising, listening to some podcasts and you're just trying to find where, you know, where are their ducks, where are their geese 
well, you can, you can leave a plat book area real fast. So like this thing, you know, as soon as you hit the triangle, you know, bing, I mean, you know, locate where you're at. It's going to just take you to where you are. I mean, you might as well not hit it now. It's going to show oh. us in the office, <laughs> but, but just saying, uh, you know, you, no matter where you're at, you have a plat book. That's, that's like endless. Yeah. All 50 States, we have landowner boundary information. So you can go cruise in, whether it's Wyoming, Nebraska, and mark those fields that might have snow geese kind of collecting in them. So you can go hunt them and get access on that property. But the, the cool thing about that markers that um, is, is so valuable that it's not just like a, a tool where you could say, this is my tree stand. Now I know where my tree stand is. If this is a 10 acre piece, you know where your tree stand is. But right. for a newer hunter that puts their tree stand there, starts seeing deer come into the field. Well, they may not live there. You know, they might've got permission on this place. And I mean, that road, that road is 1.5 miles long because I would leave my driveway run to the right, run back down to the end, run back to my driveway. And I did my three mile run every day. It was pretty sweet. But because that road has a, those swoops, if you're like going to knock on doors and you're new, you might not know that your stand is on an East West fence line. Like to you, depending on when you go there, if it's a cloudy day and you're not able to see the sun, you may not have any idea where that thing turns. But if you got permission and you went out there and walked around, you're like, hey, there's a there's a big trail coming out of this big timber right here into this guy's little horse pasture. You could mark that trail and and then you could go home and you could look at it like this and say, okay, well, if they're coming from there, I need my wind going towards that road. So what direction is that? So then now if you click on that, if you click on that stand, it was pretty cool when you like showed the wind for the stand. Uh, yeah. So you can, you can like scroll through your set ideal wind directions right here and you can like that one, you would know, well, if you thought the deer were coming from behind you, you'd know, well, that sucks. Right. You know, in my case, I was actually hunting. I knew he was in the field, not behind me, but yeah, you could, you could go back and kind of you could get a whole this, new, yeah, yeah, get a whole new perspective on this. It's and, it's really really And that's where I think that pins become really powerful cuz you might sit this property for the first time and set it up a certain way and start marking things, but as deer come into the field or deer don't come into the field or as you learn more about the property, your pins will evolve. You'll change winds on your pins, you'll change where your pins are placed, you might move stands. And as you do that as a new hunter and you start adding more things and spending more time and start understanding the relationship between this property and where your tree stands are and various other elements, you're going to learn a lot about whitetail behavior, whitetail movement, or Western hunting, whatever your, your focus arena is. And when you go to a different spot, just like you said, you're going to go from your three acre to your 10 acre to your 40 acre. Rather than having to relearn everything about your property just based on time in the stand, you'll understand a little bit more about how these kind of factors affect each other, right. set your property up a little bit quicker, a little bit more effectively, and progress in your career faster just by understanding and documenting these things. It's like a, a digital journal. Yeah. What's So click on the folder. Let's just, let's like finish up through those. So in the folder, uh, are these pretty much saved hunt areas then? 
So this is just has all of my hunt areas that I've ever made. So going through um, all of the, the pieces I've saved, whether they're in Colorado or Michigan, and this just lets me be able to navigate to them by tapping them and see how many markers I have on some of these pieces. Some of them are pieces I've just been scouting because they don't have very many markers on them and how many hunters I've shared them to. So if you and I had a piece together, we could share it yeah. and I could see where you're moving pins or where I'm, where I'm notes or anything we're doing to the piece so we can hunt it collectively. Or if you're moving a stand, I can see that. And that's how I know that this piece is shared to you. But then I can also go over here and go to my offline areas and see these are the ones that I've downloaded to my phone. So different spots that we've looked at out here or a piece back home that I'm looking at. Um, and I can start making sure they're saved so I can go to this pane and say, okay, I'm good to go out there because there's no cell service there. I can be able to navigate on my piece. Sweet. Okay, go back main page. All right, now let's uh, let's just go down to the bottom. You know, we, we on the bottom of your app, you're going to have feed gear, hunt cast map, and me. So you want to just, let's just buzz through those quick so people yeah. just have a basic understanding. So the feed is basically just a spot where you can go through and see what other hunters on the HuntWise platform are sharing. So This is really cool. This is like a social media destination, essentially, right, within within the within the app. So it's an opportunity for people to share trail camera pictures, ask questions. Um, a lot of younger kids will share like successful hunts and ask for, or archery technique, like am I pulling my bow back properly? What are people thinking about that? And just give them a spot where they can share these things without worrying about it getting taken down on like different social media platforms or people not agreeing with what they are. These are all like-minded hunters that are looking to better each other or share their success. Okay. So that's the feed. And, and for gear, this is actually pretty cool and something that um, something that moving forward, um, we're actually going to we're going to take part of this for people that that sign up for the elite membership um, or the pro or the elite membership. They're actually you, you have the ability to to get discounts at, at certain, um, you know, certain partners that they have and. You know, I'm 100% committed to this, so we're actually going to offer a discount. If you're a pro or elite member, we're going to offer a discount um, to knock on to within that. So, honestly, any of you who are who are loyal knock-on customers, um, you would literally pay for your for your own app um, or the elite or pro level of the app. The the to me for the price of the elite. It's a no brain. It's one day of making a poor decision. Like, just look at it that way, everyone. It's if you make the wrong choice one day and I said, hey, would you pay, you know, whatever it is, a hundred bucks or something. It's $120 a year for elite and 60 for pro. Okay. So for a hundred, if someone said for 120 bucks, if I told you, you would, you would have had a better chance at hunting the morning tomorrow rather than the evening today, would you do it? Anybody who's got a job would be crazy not to. Then, you know, if we're offering you a discount for people who are who are part of that membership to be able to click on this and then you link into us with, you know, with that from the app to us, well, now you immediately get a discount on your orders. Well, you've pretty much paid for this. Um, all right, HuntCast um, is really cool. That was kind of where we started. Um you know, really just gives you a predictable forecast, wind direction, weather, um, what your opportunity is. You can also run the little slider along the bottom and kind of pick the time and let it kind of show you how 
the success varies. And um, I think the, the slider is important to tell you. It's not saying I'm going to only go hunting at 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. because that's when peak time is. It lets you know, like, morning or evening when you should spend your time in the stands, but how weather is changing throughout the day. Yeah. So, you know, if you need to plan for a different weather. Yeah, if there's 90-mile-an-hour winds coming at 10 o'clock, it's going to drop. <laughs> it's going to drop down to a single turkey. Yeah. Um, all right, next would be map. You know, so that's kind of right where we were with yeah. your map layers, your landowner boundaries, different things, um, marking up your properties. That's that's maps. Yeah, that's showing you those four squares that are in the top right, which we walk through. You got five selections along the bottom. Really, you're going to use four of the five the most. And then the last one would be you, which would be your profile, um, you know, kind of kind of your main page. It looks like kind of a personal page to like, Instagram or Facebook or something. Yeah, like so that. this is how you would be able to like follow you on the platform so they can engage with it and see what you're sharing. You can also see like your hunt areas, different logs and stuff you shared over the years. And if you have a YouTube channel, you can connect to your YouTube channel so people can see like hunts or video content you're doing in the stand or out in the outdoors. It also allows you to see like all the licenses and regulations for different states. So you can go to this Col- is huge. Yeah. You can go to Iowa or in this case we'll just do um, Alaska since it's here. Oh you God. can see like hunting licenses, permits and bag limits, fishing, fishing licenses, and basically different things you need to know regulation wise. We have that for every state. So you can switch out of Alaska, you can go to Colorado, same kind of thing here. And then you can jump in, buy your license while you're going out or learn how to buy your license if you need to buy it in person. And then the regulations around your tag. This is so cool. This is so, so freaking cool. Um, man, dude. This is this was super awesome. Yeah, I hope uh, that uh, you feel like you, uh, you and your everybody in the Knockout Nation knows a little bit more about Hanwise. Is there anything you want to talk about? I mean, you. Uh, it sounds like you've kind of been pretty. It seems like you've explored or been part of the Knockout Nation for for a few years too. So, like, what's your takeaway with some of it? What do you feel like? You know, what do you feel like? we're doing right or what do you think parallels what what you guys are doing yeah so the the big thing for me is just making sure that people that are coming into archery or bow hunting or the hunting in general feel supported and have the opportunities and know who the leaders are in the industry to teach them and like kind of take them in underneath their wing and show them where they need to go so they'll stay with it and enjoy it just as much as i have so seeing what you've done with archery and what you're doing with bow hunting, it, it means a lot so that when I got into archery um, a few years ago and started learning through these things, I knew that there was resources for me so I can learn how to like shoot my bow and how to hit within the, in different parameters of the target and like know how to and like infield variables affect my archery was like incredibly important to me. So now every summer on Tuesdays when I go and hike and train for Western hunts and I go shoot my bow. I can throw a knock on podcast in, learn about more stuff that you guys are doing. And then also I can start going through the reps and get my, uh, get some arrows down range and feel more confident before I head into my fall hunts. And I hope that the people that come through the knock on nation and using hunt wise, uh, feel the same way I did and feel more prepared when they go out hunting or when they're out shooting their bow or on their various other avenues to go through as they progress in hunting. And I think that that's the, the ultimate thing here that I I'm really passionate about. Yeah, it's super cool. Well, thanks so much for coming, dude. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And it's a pleasure. Uh, you're a really neat dude. Hopefully you've enjoyed, you know, spending a day with me too. Yeah, you, it's been pretty awesome to come to Iowa. It's uh <laughs> it's a good state. <laughs> you came following tornado weather, which is important. I'm glad not before. <laughs> All right, knock on everybody. Be sure to check out knockonarchery.com for our full line of custom designed products 
as well as free in-depth education and bow hunting entertainment to help you shoot at your best.